certainly don't want to overlook anyone, but, but I do want to especially welcome a couple that I met this week, Josh Vasquez and his family, and I uh, had the privilege of having lunch with them. They are getting ready to move to Botswana, and uh, the country that I love deeply and pray for regularly because of my trips there. Especially glad to have them, their family here with us today. And all of our guests, it's an honor to have all of you here. We appreciate your presence here in this service today. Praise God. Hallelujah. We're going to go to the word of the Lord here this morning. And um, one thing that we strive for here at New Life is to put our emphasis on the Word of God. You know, things change, people change, religions change, churches change, but God and His Word never change. His Word is forever settled in heaven. Though heaven and earth pass away, the word of the Lord is going to stand. Well, praise God. And I'm going to tell you, we better build our lives on the word of God. Because that's the only solid foundation that there is. Praise God. A lot of folks talk about the parable Jesus gave of the wise man, the foolish man, who both built houses, but... It would be good for you to take the time to go back and look at what it was that they were building on or not building on. Because Jesus began that parable by talking about those that heard the word and obeyed it. The wise man who heard the word and obeyed it built his house upon a rock. The foolish man also heard the word but did nothing about it. And Jesus said he's building a house upon the sand. And it's not going to stand. Praise God. Listen to me, my friends. There's a reason why we have this book today. There's a reason why we have the Bible. It's not just something so we can record genealogies. Marriages. Births and deaths. And if, if the only thing God wanted us to know was how to be saved, it seemed like he could have given us just one verse and forgotten everything else. But he gave us an entire book. And it's important that we know this book. Praise God. God didn't save us just to keep us out of hell. But he saved us for a purpose. We've got a life to live down here. We've got a job to accomplish on this earth. Well, hallelujah. And I understand that God can do things without us, but I under also understand that God chooses to do things through us. And there is a work to be accomplished, and I believe a very short time to get it done in. 
And I, it, it just behooves us to get into this book more than we ever have before. And not just read it, but obey it. Put it into practice. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I want to uh, call your attention this morning to the book of John, chapter 1. And uh, I know that um, to those that are normally here in our adult Sunday school class, we have been studying uh, the book of Matthew. We did for... Um, in fact, I think close to three years, we were going verse by verse through the book of Matthew, and then we started into revival when I finished, and so some of you are probably expecting me to begin in Mark today, and I have thought about it, prayed about it. I really have felt, especially with the uh, holiday season upon us, I have just felt that perhaps I would put off going into the book of Mark until after the first of the year feel like there's some things that um, the Lord is directing me to uh, share with you and show you in the word of the Lord over these next few weeks. Praise God. Amen. And uh, of course also not only do we have the holidays in the midst of all of this, but uh, I've got another trip to Africa. I'm headed to Liberia in just a few weeks. We do ask for your prayers for us uh, in all of that. Praise God. Especially in light of the fact that we are going to be uh, changing planes in Belgium of all places where they have everything shut down at the moment. And, uh, but in his arms, I feel protected. Hallelujah. Praise God. John chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 10 through 13 as our text. John 1, verses 10 through 13. The Bible says, He was in the world, and the world was made by him. And the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. His own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. Hallelujah. Verse 13, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, before I get into the lesson today, I want, you to, I want you to pay attention to some things that are stated here in verses 12 and 13. In verse 12, there is a process that is being described. As many as... Received. Everyone say received. As many as received him. To them gave he power. Everyone say power. He gave power to those who received him. Power for what? Power to become 
sons of God. He gave power to become sons of God. And then he puts this in, it is to those, in the beginning he says that received him, but in the end he also adds this caveat, even to them that believe on his name. Then, in verse 13, he talks about how this process happened. He said, those that received him, those that, that obtained the power to become the sons of God, those that believed on his name were born. They were born. Not of blood and not of the will of the flesh. Not of the will of man. But they were born of God. Hallelujah. Amen. So today I want to, there's nothing profound and yet sometimes there is profundity in the simplicity. Praise God. Are you with me this morning? I want to talk to you about receiving power to become God's sons. Receiving power to become God's sons. Let's pray one more time. Amen. We want to go to the Lord. We want to ask him to help us today. We want the spirit of revelation to come. It's not enough that I teach, but we need God's spirit to step into this situation. Would you join with me right now in prayer? Everybody, let's talk to the Lord together. We love you. We praise you right now. Hallelujah. Let's everybody begin to praise the Lord before we get started this morning. Come on, New Life. I'm asking you to remember what I talked to you about Thursday night. Come on, let's rally in the spirit right now. Let's press our way through right now. Everybody, let's talk to the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. Let's praise the Lord. God inhabits the praises of his people. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I, I need some saints of God to help me here this morning. Amen. I, I'm telling you, uh, I, I, had, I had to bring in the experts this morning. I was having equipment problems. I said, evidently the devil doesn't want me to do what I'm about to do here this morning. Amen. I need some saints of God to rally. We've got power over all the powers of the enemy. Well, hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. I, 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 I love this phrase, the sons of God. The very idea that I, who uh, 
was born in sin and shapen in iniquity. I, I came into this world without a hope in and of myself. I'm nobody. I'm nothing. But to think that God has extended to me the potential and the possibility to become his son. Now, now I want to say this this morning. I want to, I want to say some things this morning. And I'll, I'll come along and back this up with the scripture. But, but I just want to tell you, not everybody that says they're a son of God is a son of God. You know, I, I often have told people that when you've seen me, you've seen my father. I, I look a lot like my dad. My dad's gone on to his reward, but, but I see when I go back and look at his pictures, I, I, I can see myself in my dad. I, there are some resemblances. There are family traits. And I'm going to tell you, if we are really the children of God, if we are really his sons and his daughters, there ought to be some family traits. There ought to be some similarities uh, between our father and us. Well, hallelujah. I think, we ought to, I think we ought to look like part of the family. I think we ought to talk like part of the family. I think we ought to think like part of the family. We don't think like the world thinks. We don't talk like the world talks. Is anybody hearing me this morning? I know that may not be popular, but I'm going to tell you, if we're going to be the sons of God, then we ought to be a lot like our father. How in the world can we have hatred in our hearts and say we are a son of God when God is love? Well, that's the truth. Amen. Hallelujah. Of course, I could, I could and, and I know you'll amen me on that. I could go into a few other things. I don't want to get too sidetracked here this morning, but, but you know, some of us, we say we're the sons of God, and yet we spend our lives in worry and fear, and yet he is the prince of peace. Oh, praise God. Am I losing you this morning? I'm talking about being the son of God. I'm talking about something happening to us that transforms us to make us more like the one we call our father. What an opportunity that God would extend this possibility to us. Amen. As many as received him. Read, read verse 12 for me again. As many as received him. Listen to what John says. John uh, chapter 1 and verse 12. It's, did, I, did I not give it to you? All right. I had so many problems this morning. You may just have to have your Bible ready. All right. John chapter 1 and verse 12. But as many as received him. To them gave he power to gave become. Gave he power to become. The sons of the God. The sons of God. Even to, them Even to them that believe, believe on, his on his name. John talked about those that receive him. He spoke of the power that comes as a result. Amen. Now, now look, there are, I've, I've talked to a lot of folks that have ideas about what this verse really means. They have, they have their own concept as to what this verse is really talking about. But we want to spend some time looking at the scripture today and see what the scripture has to say about it. Amen. Before I get into this, let's, let's talk about some things. 
You know, the apostle Paul told Timothy that we need to rightly divide the word of truth. What I'm finding in the world today is people who will take one verse of scripture, pull it out of its context, and build an entire doctrine around one thing that is totally out of context. But we've got to rightly divide the word of truth. And let me give you a couple of basic interpretations uh, or basic rules for Bible interpretation. First of all, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20. Knowing this first that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. No prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. See, I was talking to a lady one time about some things in the scripture, and, and she looked at me and she said, well, that's your interpretation. But I have a different interpretation. And, and, and I, I said, but ma'am, here's the problem. We can't both be right. The Bible is not left to private interpretation. We've got to find God's interpretation. It's not about how I interpret it or how you interpret it. We've got to find out how God interprets it. And the only way we're going to find that that's principle number one, amen, that there is no private interpretation. Principle number two is that we've got to let Scripture interpret Scripture. That's how we find out what God means. You look at a phrase in the scripture. If you don't know what that phrase means, you find other verses that talk about that phrase. And by doing that, the Bible interprets itself. Amen. Here, here is what uh, Paul said, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. This is the third time I am coming to you in the mouth of two or three in witnesses. In the mouth of... Two or three witnesses. Shall every word be established. Okay, now listen, this, this is a part of letting the Bible interpret the Bible. This is the problem. If we pick one verse of scripture out of the whole Bible and build a doctrine on it, we need to be able to back that up with another verse somewhere. It may not say exactly the same thing, but it needs to share the same principle. Now, I've had people respond to me when I said that. said, well, so you're saying some verses are not true. No. Every verse is true. Everything from Genesis through Revelation is true. It's all right. What's not right is the way we interpret it sometimes. And that's my point. If we take a verse of Scripture and we can't find anywhere else in the Bible that that's, that, that idea is supported, then the Scripture's not wrong. Our interpretation of it is wrong. You follow me? We, we've got to find... We've got to find where the scripture can agree with scripture. There's no contradiction in the word of God. There's no contradiction anywhere in the word of God. And so we should have two or three witnesses. This is a principle God established under the Old Testament law, but Paul brings it even into the New Testament that there needs to be two or three witnesses to establish something. So if we're going to build doctrines, if we're going to establish beliefs, we need to be able to back them up with supporting scriptures. Hallelujah. Amen. It's a dangerous thing to just start. I'm telling you, this is the way cults begin. Because a man takes a verse and twists the meaning. 
he will take a verse and he'll twist what it means. And then he'll begin to teach that and people accept it without ever checking with the rest of the word of God. And I, I promise you, I've, in, in my many years uh, of ministry, I've run into a lot of very strange doctrines. I really have. I've run into some very, very strange doctrines. And how do they get these doctrines? I'll tell you how. By taking a verse out of context and not having supporting scripture for it. So with that in mind, we want, number one, there is no private interpretation. It's not about how I see it or how you see it. It's about learning how God sees it. And number two, we've got to let the Bible interpret itself by using other scriptures, by finding two or three witnesses for the way that we're going to interpret this verse. All right? So let's look again at John chapter 1 and verse 12. In fact, you may just want to stick uh, a marker in your Bible right there at John 1 and, and verse 12 because we're going to keep coming back to this before this lesson is complete today. Hallelujah. I hope nobody's in a hurry today. I'm going to take my time and try to expound on some things here. Amen. Amen. John chapter 1 and verse 12. Read it for me again. But as many as received him, to them, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. All right, now we want, we want to find out what does this verse really mean? What is it really saying? If we're going to follow the principles that I've given to you, then we're going to have to find other verses of Scripture that will define the key terms in this verse. And, and if you'll look at this verse, as many as received him. So, so we see, first of all, that, that this is the main concept, is receiving him. What does that mean to receive him? What does that mean? What is it talking about? To them, to those who received him. So the key phrase, number one, is receiving him. Then, th this is what we must do. Then, he says, those who receive him receive power. They receive power. That's what they are given when they do what they're supposed to do. And power for what? Power to become sons of God. And this is what we become as a result of the power we're given when we receive him. All right. So, so there are three key things here that we need to talk about. First of all, receiving him. Secondly, power. Third, sons of God. We need to, we need to be able to find a definition in the scripture from other scriptures as to what all of this really means. Amen. Keeping in mind the context, the setting. In fact, put verse 13 up there for me again because he's talking about here in verse 13 that these people were born of God. That's got to be a key factor in receiving him. Being born of God has got to be a key factor in receiving him. Praise God. Amen. So, so let's... Let's talk about this for a few moments. Let's look at this in the light of the word of God. Amen. Now, let us, let us consider each of these key phrases and find scriptures that deal with them. Now, as I said, I've, I've talked to a lot of folks who have had ideas about what it means to receive 
Christ to receive him. What does that mean? And, and I've had a lot of people tell me that simply means to believe on the Lord. When you believe on the Lord, then you have received him. Amen. Well, I want to look at the scripture and see if that's what the Bible tells us. Now, let me throw in one more caveat, amen, to everybody under the sound of my voice today. I don't ever want to reach a place in my walk with God that I am closed to more that God might have for me. If God's got something more for me, I want it. Anybody else feel that way? If there is more than what I've got right now, I want whatever God has got for me. I don't want to just stay content in where I am and what I am. I want to constantly grow. I want to constantly become more like him. Praise God. You know, going back to the whole relationship and, and, and the family traits, a number of years ago, I, I received a phone call and a man on the other end of the line uh, told me, he said, I'm, I'm looking for, for Keith Riggins' son. And I said, well, I'm him. You found me. And, and uh, so he began to tell me, he said, I'm your cousin. And to my knowledge, we had never met. He lives about an hour and a half from here. And, and uh, we, we began to talk. And his, his mother and my dad were brother and sister. And uh, he came over to a service one night. He wanted to meet me. And so he drove that hour and a half, whatever it was, to come and meet me. And, and uh, after service, we got to visit for a while. And he told me, he said, the minute you walked in the door, I knew who you were. I could tell he'd never seen me before. But he said, you look so much like your dad, there was no question. You know, that's the way I want the world to see me, spiritually speaking. When I'm out there in the world, I want people to know. I want people to be able to say, you look so much like your father. You act so, anybody feel that way? You act so much like your father. I have no doubt you are a son of God. Now, that doesn't happen instantaneously. Praise God. Amen. I, someone said God created the universe in seven days. But look at how many years he has taken to work on us. And he's still not finished. Well, the difference is that creation didn't talk back. Creation didn't resist. When God said it, it just happened. But for us, we resist so much of what God tries to do in our lives. We push back against the potter's hands. Well, hallelujah. I don't want to do that. I want him to mold me. I want him to make me. I want people to recognize something in me that connects me to the family of God. Well, praise God. Amen. So, so let's, let's talk about this. Is, is receiving him, is he only talking about believing? Is that really all this verse is talking about? Or is there something more? Well, I want you to go with me now. The book of Acts in fact, we're going to spend a little bit of time here this morning in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 8 and verses 5 through 8. Now, now let me tell you, um, to those who are not familiar with the scripture, the book of Acts is the book of the New Testament church. It is the history of the New Testament church. It it records the birth of the church on the day of Pentecost in chapter 2. 
And it relates, it relates the founding of that church as it begins to be established at the hands of Jesus' uh, chosen followers, the disciples who then became apostles. Amen. And, and so in the book of Acts, we are actually looking at stories of people in this age of grace who are being saved. We find the actual encounters, the actual experiences. Now we don't, we don't find that in the Gospels. Remember we talked about rightly dividing the word in the Gospels because Jesus had to die and be buried and rise again the third day before salvation was ours. There was a process he had to fulfill. The Gospels take us to that point. We don't look to the epistles to find people being saved because the epistles are letters written by the apostles to churches that are already established. These people are already saved. So the apostles are not writing to people to tell them how to be saved. They're writing to people who are saved. Okay? So if we want to actually see people being saved, we go to the book of Acts. And, and let's go here to the book of Acts. We're going to start in chapter 8. And we want to look at something. When John wrote of receiving him, was he only talking about believing? Was that all that he meant? Or was there something deeper? Let's look at Acts chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. Acts 8, verses 5 through 8. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them. And many, and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Okay, now, now, I want you to notice, first of all, verse 6, if you're looking at your Bible, and I always encourage folks when I'm teaching, keep your Bible handy. Look, look at the Bible. Look at, look at it in, in your Bible. You may not be using, we're using the King James here. You may be using a different translation, but look at your Bible. I, I want you to see that what I'm telling you is in the Scripture. Verse 6, the Bible says that the people gave heed. With one accord, they gave heed. They believed what Philip preached. There's no question these people believed him. And it says they heard, they saw the miracles. Verse 7 says there were demonic spirits that were driven out. There were those that were sick, that were lame, and they were healed. There was great joy in that city. Are you with me? These people believed. In fact, if that's not good enough, let's read on. Verses 12 and 13. And when they believed. And when they did what? Believed. They did what? Believed. All right, now get this. When they believed. These people believed. They believed Philip. Preaching the things preaching concerning, the, things the, kingdom concerning the kingdom of God. And the name of Jesus Christ. And the name of Jesus Christ. Now, do you remember our text? He said, even as many as believed on what? On his name. So, so we, we've got a clear tie here. They believed Philip. 
They believed what he preached concerning the kingdom of God, the name of Jesus Christ. They were baptized. And they were baptized. Both men and women. Both men and women. Verse 13. Then Simon himself. Then Simon himself. Believed also. Did what? He did what? Does everybody see that the Bible says Simon believed? He believed. All right, so if John is telling us that receiving him, to, to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, then Simon believed and was baptized. He continued. Is Simon then saved? Did Simon become the son of God when he believed? Well, we're going to find out in just a few moments. Amen. All right, so, so let's read on. Simon himself believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip, continued with Philip and wondered, beholding, beholding the miracles. The miracles. Signs which now, this man was a sorcerer. He had been a sorcerer, well known in the city. But he marveled at the things that were happening at the hands of Philip, and he believed. Everyone say he believed. He believed. If John is saying that when you receive Christ, that just means you've believed, then Simon has believed and he has received. But let's read on. Let's go down to verse 14. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. Who, when they were come when down, they were come down, prayed for them, prayed for them that they might that receive, they might wait a minute that they might receive that they might what? They had already believed, but they had never received. Do you see that in the scripture? They came down to pray for them so that they might receive. They had not received up until now. Is it in the Bible? They believed, but they had not received what? The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Read. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them. He was fallen on none of them. Only they were baptized. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them. And then Peter and John laid their hands on these people. And they received. And they did what? Received. They did what? Received. They finally received the Holy, Ghost. the Holy Ghost. It was not until Peter and John laid their hands upon them that these believers received anything. Yes, they believed. There's no question they believed. The Bible says they believed. But they didn't receive everything God had for them until Peter and John came and prayed for them. There was more for them to receive than just the moment of believing. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. If believing is all it takes and that's all God wants out of you, then Simon the sorcerer had received Christ and was now a son of God. But I'm going to show you that's not the case. Let's let's read on. Uh, Verse 18. We're just continuing on. What does it say? And when Simon saw, when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands, right, the Holy Ghost, the was Holy given, Ghost was given. He offered them money. He offered them money, saying, "Give me also this power." I want this power. That on whom I want this power. I want this power. I don't have power. I've believed. I've been baptized, but I don't have power. 
I want power. Read. Give me this also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. Uh-huh. But Peter said unto him. Peter said to him. Now watch this. Thy money perish with Your thee. Your money perish with you. Because thou hast thought. Because that you thought. That the gift of God may be purchased with money. Uh-huh. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter. For thy heart is not hang on, right. Hang on, hang on. Go, go back and read verse 20. This is totally off the subject, but I just want to throw it in. Read verse 20 again. But Peter said unto Peter said, him, Thy money perish with you. Your money me, perish with you. Because thou hast because thought. You thought. That the gift, that of, the God gift of God. May be purchased could be purchased. With money. You know, there's a whole lot of people out there today that are telling, if you'll just sow seeds into my ministry, if you'll just give me money, then God's going to bless you and God's going to turn your situation around. Listen, it's no different today than it was in Peter's day. You can't buy the blessings of God. Your money doesn't get you the blessing of God. Hallelujah. It does get these guys Learjets and... $5 billion homes and whatever else, but it does not purchase any of God's gifts or any of God's blessings. You can't buy it with your money. Well, hallelujah. All right, that's a side note. That one didn't cost you anything. Let's go on. Verse 21. Thou hast neither part nor lie in this. Now listen to what Peter is saying to Simon who believed. He believed. Is that right? Am I in the Bible? Did he believe? He even was baptized. Is that right? He believed and he was baptized. But listen to what Simon says to him. For thy heart is not right. Your heart is not right in the sight of God. You may have believed, Simon, but you don't have everything you need. There's more than just believing, Simon. Because your heart is still not right with God. What's he telling him in verse 22? Repent. Repent. Therefore, of, therefore thy wickedness, of thy wickedness. And pray God. And pray God. If perhaps, if perhaps the, you, thought of thine heart the thought of your heart may be can forgiven. be forgiven. For I, For I perceive that thou art that in, thou the, art gall in the gall of bitterness and, and the, the bond, bond of, iniquity. of iniquity. Listen, I'm telling you, Simon believed. Simon was even baptized. But Simon never received the power to become the son of God. Hallelujah. Now, again, this is just one witness. Am I right about this? Uh, this is only one witness to this. So, so we're going to look and see if we can find a second witness that shows us that believing alone doesn't give you everything you need. Let's go now to Acts chapter 19. This is important. Follow along. Acts chapter 19. And, and we're going to read verses 1 and 2. And it came to pass that while, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. Right, he found what? Certain disciples. These were what? These are disciples. They are students of the scripture. All right, read. He said unto them. He said to them. Have you received? Have you received? Wait, have you 
this is what we're looking for. Verses that deal with receiving in, in connection to, to power, in connection to becoming the sons of God. And here's what he says. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you, since you believed? Now, I, I know, and in fact, go ahead and finish the verse before I get to commenting on it too much. And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. I, I don't care what translation you read from. They don't all say it exactly like it says it here in the King James. The King James says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? But, but whatever version you go to, I've, I, I went through a list of them. Most of them are, are fairly close. Three of them in particular, the English Standard Version. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now look, my point is this. Paul is asking a direct question to people that he recognizes has believed. But the fact that Paul asked the question, did you receive when you believed, means that not everybody that believes has also received. Whether it's the King James, did you, have you received it since you believed? Or it's the English Standard, did you receive it when you believed? Uh, God's Word version says he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? The contemporary English version says he asked them, when you put your faith in Jesus, were you given the Holy Spirit? I'm telling you, my friends, there is a clear distinction that is made in Acts 19, verse 2, that there is a difference between believing and receiving. Not everybody that believes has received. Well, hallelujah. So you know what I'm here to preach to you about today? We want to receive him. We, want, we don't want to just just believe and be satisfied with just believing. I want to go beyond that point. I want to receive the power that can make me a son of God. That can give me the family traits that I need. Hallelujah. Now, they said, we have not even heard. We have not even heard about the Holy Spirit. We've not even heard. Of it. But they were believers. They were believers. Paul was not content with the fact that they were believers. I hope you see what I'm telling you this morning. I hope that you can see it clearly. Paul was not satisfied with the fact that they were just believers. Paul said, that's not enough. That's good. That's wonderful. Thank God. Praise God. Hallelujah. But let's go farther than just believing. Let's take it another step. Let's get a hold of something. And Paul was not satisfied that they had only believed. Amen. Let's go down to verse 5. Read verses 5 and 6. When they heard this, when they heard this, they were baptized. They were baptized in the name of the Lord, Jesus. The name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid and his when hands, Paul on laid them, his hands on them. The Holy Ghost came. The on them, Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with, and tongues, they spake with tongues and prophesied. And prophesied. Hallelujah. 
Obviously, the interpretation offered by so many of what it means to receive him is not correct. Amen. There is something more to receiving him than just believing. Not everyone who believes receives. We've got two witnesses in the scripture, in the New Testament church age, of people who were believers but were not receivers. I wonder if we have anybody in this congregation today who is a believer, but you've never yet received. Well, I want to talk about what it is you need to receive this morning. As we go on to this verse, let's go back. I told you to mark John 1 and 12. Let's, let's go back. It's not on your page, and, and I know I'm giving our sound man fits by throwing scriptures in that aren't there, but, but he can go with the flow. He's good at it. All right, John chapter 1, verse 12. Read it again. But as many as, as many him, as received him, we've talked about receiving. It's got to be more than believing. What happens when you receive him? To them, to gave them, power. gave he what? Power. He gives power to those that receive him. He gives power to those that receiving is not believing, but receiving him involves being endued with power. And where do we get power from? Well, we again, we're going to let the Bible interpret itself. Let's go to Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. What did, and this, these are the words of Jesus himself just before he ascended. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he said, But, ye shall but you shall receive, receive power. What? Power. What? What is it we're trying to find? What is it we're trying to learn from John chapter 1 verse 12? We're trying to learn about what it means to receive him and in so doing to get power. And what did Jesus say? You shall receive power. When are you going to receive it? After that, After that the Holy the Ghost, Holy come Ghost is come upon you. I'm here to tell you this morning, my friend, you may be a believer. That's great. That's wonderful. But don't stop with just believing. You've got to go on. You've got to receive the power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I've met many believers, many believers who don't have the power. They believe. They believe. They acknowledge that Jesus is Lord and Savior. They acknowledge that he died for their sins. They've prayed a prayer of repentance. That's wonderful. I'm not taking away from that. What I'm telling you is don't stop there. Well, hallelujah. I'm telling you, listen to me, church. I, I started out this morning when I took the pulpit talking about how crazy the world is. If there was ever a time that the people of God need to be endued with power, it's in this day. We need power to face what's coming our direction. We need power to deal with what's going to happen on the horizon. Are you hearing me this morning? I'm preaching to you. I'm not coming up with something off the wall. I'm giving you what the word of God says. Jesus said this is how we get power. We don't get it just because we believed. We don't get it just because we accepted him. But he said we get power when the Holy Ghost comes on us. Based on what we've seen in the book of Acts, receiving the Holy Ghost is a different experience than just believing. 
You need to receive the power. Jesus said, you receive power and you're going to be witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part of the earth. But listen, guys, he said, you can't go out there the way you are right now. You need power. You've got to have power. You've got to have power. Now, they had performed miracles. You remember that? The scripture talks about Jesus sending them out and then coming back rejoicing. Even the devils were subject to them. They had performed miracles. There's no question these disciples were believers. But yet Jesus said to them, you still need power. To do the job you've got to do, you need power power beyond what you have right now you need something more than what you possess right now that's why they went to the upper room in acts chapter one they leave this meeting with jesus as he has ascended into heaven and they go to jerusalem and they gather in an upper room and they begin to pray what are they praying for brother jared what are they praying for what are they waiting for? Power. That's what Jesus told them they need. They go there to pray for some power. Hallelujah. It's not in your, not in your notes, but Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. So they're there. They're praying. They're asking God. We've got to have power. Listen, Jesus knew that they were going to be rejected. Jesus knew they were going to be persecuted. Jesus knew some of them would be put to death. He knew what was coming their way. And he said, guys, you're not going to make it just on the confession of faith, just on belief. But if you're going to deal with what's coming your way, you've got to have power. So they went to the upper room and they began to pray and they began to seek God and they're there in the upper room until this happens in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1. And when the day of Pentecost was, was fully, fully come, come, they were all, they were all, all one accord, with one accord place. in one place. And, and suddenly there came a sound, came a sound from, heaven, from heaven as, as of a rushing, rushing mighty wind, wind and, it and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, now look, you can't convince me that these men were not already believers. They were believers. They had walked with Jesus for three and a half years. They were believers. But they didn't receive the Holy Ghost until now. There was a power that had to come. I'm preaching to you this morning. I'm appealing to somebody this morning. I'm telling you, I believe, and I'm not a prophet of doom, but I believe with all of my heart that there are some dark days ahead. I, I really believe that God is getting ready to judge this land. I believe that. I don't want it to happen. I pray God has mercy on us, but America has lost its way. right I know folks call me judgmental when I tell them that homosexuality is a sin not an alternate lifestyle call me what you want to call me I didn't make that judgment the Bible did 
I didn't make the judgment that abortion is murder. The Bible made that judgment. I'm not judging anybody by making those statements. But I'm going to tell you, when America starts murdering its babies by the millions and we start promoting sinful, abominable lifestyles, it's time for God to have mercy on this nation. And you know how we're going to face it, church? We're not going to face it by being afraid. We're not going to face it by cowering down. But I'll tell you how we're going to face it. The same way the apostles faced persecution in their time, they did it by getting the power. That's what I'm preaching to this congregation this morning. Don't stay content with just being a believer. You need to pray until you've got the power. Hallelujah. Peter understood this. Peter understood this is what it's all about. Peter understood this is how you really receive him. This is how you really get the power. In fact, we go on down in Acts chapter 2 now, and, and we find Peter's preached a message. The crowd doesn't understand what's going on. The people there thought they were all drunk and began to mock them and make fun of them. But others were saying, what does all this mean? And Peter stood up with the eleven, all twelve of them standing together. And Peter began to preach, these men are not drunk as you suppose seeing it is but the third hour of the day but this is that he said which was spoken of the prophet Joel in the last day saith God I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and he began to preach to them and when he got finished with his message and he said God has made this same Jesus whom you have crucified both Lord and Christ and then we get to verse 37 and we see the response of the crowd, Acts 2 and 37. Now when they heard now when this. when they heard this, they heard what? They heard that they had crucified the Messiah. When they heard this. They were pricked in They their were heart. pricked, pierced, convicted in their heart. And said, and to, said Peter, to Peter. And to the, rest, and of to the, the apostles, rest of the apostles. Men and brethren. Men and brethren. What shall we do? Tell me what to do. Then Peter Wait, said, hang on, hang on. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. This is a crucial moment. In fact, let me just tell you. You know, I said a while ago, the book of Acts deals with the birth of the church. We just read it in Acts 2, verse 1. The birth of the church. The beginning of the church age. Now we're still in the same chapter in which the church has begun. And for the first time in this age of grace, we find sinners Asking how to be saved. The very first time. The very first time. What Peter tells them is crucial. It's important for us to understand. Peter could have stood up on that day and said, just believe. And everything will be fine. Just accept Christ and everything will be okay. But that's not what Peter told the crowd. Now, Peter, I don't know how many were in the crowd. I do know 3,000 accepted Peter's message. But you have to wonder if there weren't some in that crowd who did not accept it. And that makes sense to anybody? I don't know. I wouldn't preach it as a doctrine, but it makes sense to me that there were probably some there who rejected what Peter said. But Peter has at least 3,000 souls 
in his hands right now. It's crucial, Simon Peter, that you don't tell them the wrong thing. This is the moment everything has been building for. This is it. Tell these sinners what they must do. Men and brethren, what shall we do? It's interesting that Peter did not just say believe. It's interesting that Peter did not just say accept. But what did he say? Verse 38. Then Peter, then said, unto Peter them, said unto them, Repent, repent and be baptized, and be baptized every, one of you, every one of you, in the name of, Jesus, the name Christ, of Jesus Christ, for the remission of, for sins. The remission of sins. And you shall, and receive, you shall what? Receive. You shall what? Receive. What are we trying to find out? We're trying to find out what receiving means. We're trying to find scriptures that define receiving. And here Peter tells them, this is how you're going to receive. You receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Right. Verse 39. For the promise, promise is, is unto you and to your and children, to your children and, to and to all that, that are far off, off even as many as, as the Lord our God, our God shall call. The Holy Ghost is not just for a select few. He said it's for everybody. Anybody that God calls, God offers you this same glorious experience. God offers you the same exciting power. Am I in the Bible? Is that what he said? He said the promise. What promise? What promise? Well, the promise he just gave. Hallelujah. The promise was, if you'll repent, be baptized. He said, he said you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Everybody that God calls to repentance, God offers them the gift of the Holy Ghost. God offers it to everybody. I've had people say, well, that may be yours, but I don't, I don't have that gift. Or I don't, I don't need, no, listen to me, friend. We all need this power. We all need this power. Peter's preaching to 3,000, and he didn't say some of you should get it and the rest of you don't worry about it. He said it's for everybody. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. We all need to get this power. We all need to receive this power. Hallelujah. Praise God. He told them. He said... This is what you, what must we do? Men and brother, what shall we do? He said, repent. He said, be baptized in Jesus' name. He said, receive, and there's that key word, the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, does this match up with everything we've seen so far? Does this tie in to the other verses, the other passages we have read so far? It, it absolutely ties in. What Peter told them here in Acts 2 and 38, when he said, repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, and receive the Holy Ghost, that's exactly what happened to the Samaritans. Acts chapter 8, read it again, verses 14 through 17. Same thing happens here. What is it? Now when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, Heard that Samaria had received the word of God. They received the word of God. They sent. They had obviously Peter repented. All right. They sent Peter and John. 
who when they were, when come, they were down, come down, prayed for them, prayed for them that they might receive, that the they might receive. So they repented. They're wanting to receive the Holy Ghost. And what else? For as yet, he was for as yet the Holy Ghost was falling on none of them. Only they, Only were, they baptized were baptized in the name, of the, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Same thing Peter described in Acts 2.38. What happened to the Ephesians? Acts chapter 19, verses 5 and 6. These were them. disciples. These people had obviously repented. In fact, they were disciples of John the Baptist, whose message was repentance. These people had repented. But here's what he said. When they heard when this, they, heard this they, were they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy, the Holy came Ghost on came on them. And the same thing happened in Samaria. The same thing happened in, in Ephesus. It is the same process for everybody. This is what God has for us. Hallelujah. When we truly receive him, it's more than just believing. It's receiving the Holy Ghost. Now, now listen, listen. In our text, verse 13 talked about that, that we were born. We became the sons of God. That's the third, that's the third key phrase. Receiving power. To become what? Sons of God. How do we become a son? How does somebody become someone else's son? Well, there's only two ways you can become the child of another. You're either born into the family or you're adopted into the family. And the Bible deals with both. Let's talk about being born. You remember verse 13? He said, they were born not of the will of man, not of flesh, not of blood, but they were born of God. Let's, let's talk about being born of God so we can become his sons. What is it? Uh, let, let's go to the book of John chapter 3 and verse 3 and talk about a birth for a few minutes. I've only got a few more minutes. Stay with me for just a few moments. I'll be done. John 3 and 3. John, Jesus answered Jesus and answered. Him. And said unto him, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I, say I unto tell thee, you, except a man be unless born again. a man is, we're talking about a birth, right? We're talking about becoming a son. How can we become a son? You know, right now I am before Christ, before Christ, I was the son of disobedience. That's what the Bible says. But I want to become the son of God. I want to become the child of God. Well, you know, the only way I'm going to be able to do that is to go back and be born again. I've got to be born again. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Now, again, a lot of folks want to offer what they think being born again means. And I've heard a lot of different definitions. But, but Nicodemus did not understand what it meant, so he asked Jesus to define it. Let's read on verse 4. Nicodemus saith unto him. Nicodemus said, How can a man be born? How can a man be born when he is old? When he is old. Amen. Where's verse 4? I'm looking for verse 4. How? Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter, can he the, enter second the second time, time to his into his mother's, mother's womb, womb and, be, and born? be born? Now, Nicodemus asked, Please explain to me. You said born again. What does that mean? So Jesus gives the answer. And I want to tell you, my opinion of what being born again is doesn't matter. Nobody's opinion of what being born again means matters. Jesus gave us the definition of being born again. 
The question was, tell me how to be born again. And so verse 5, Jesus, what? Jesus answered. Wait, Jesus what? Jesus what? What does that mean? A question has been asked. The question was, tell me how to be born again. Jesus answered, this is how you do it. What? Verily, verily, truly, truly, I, thee, I tell you, except a man unless a man again, born is water, born of water and of the Spirit, of the spirit he cannot, enter, he cannot the enter into the kingdom of God. This was the definition that was given by Jesus himself. I can't improve on it. I can't change it. I can't argue with it. Jesus said, this is what it means. I want to tell you something this morning, my friend. We want to be the children of God. We want to become more like our Father. We want to have that family trait. There's one way it's going to happen. we got to have the power to make that change. We're going to have to be born of the Spirit. It's more than just believing. It's more than just accepting. Amen. The Samaritans, the Ephesians, amen, what they went through is what we've got to go through. What Peter told the crowd at Pentecost, that's what we've got to do. We've got to have the power of the Holy Ghost residing in us. Now, I said the Bible speaks of both birth and adoption. And it's interesting how both of these really tie together with the same key. Let's look at Romans chapter 8, verses 14 and 15. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, now wait, wait, wait. We're trying to find out about being a son of God, aren't we? We're trying to learn about being a son of God. We're letting Scripture interpret Scripture. He's talking here. You want to be a son of God? This is how you're a son of God. He didn't say everybody that believes. But he said if you're led of the Spirit, then you can be the Son of God. Well, how does that happen, Paul? Well, tell me more about this. Let's read on. For ye, for ye have not you have not received the spirit of, the, bondage, the spirit of bondage again to fear, fear but, ye but have you have received, received the, the spirit of adoption. You have received what? Spirit of adoption. Do you see, again, we're finding a connection. We're talking about sons of God. We're talking about receiving. And here he says, what is it we receive? We receive the Spirit. That's how we get adopted into the family. That's how we can cry, Abba, Father. It is through the power of the Spirit. In fact, if we back up to verse 9, what did Paul already establish in Romans chapter 8, verse 9? But ye are not, but in, the ye flesh, are not in the flesh, but in, but the, in spirit. the spirit. If so if be, so be that, the that, the, God, that the Spirit of God dwell in, dwell in you. Now, if any man have not, not the Spirit, spirit of Christ, Christ he is, none, is none, of none of his. I want to be a child of God. I don't want it to just be a title that I wear. I want to become what he wants me to be. I want the power to face what's coming my way. I want to change and be more like him. I want him to put his image in me. There's only one way that I can be what he wants me to be. It's not through believing. It's not through accepting, but it's through the power of the spirit musicians come I've gone longer than I planned hallelujah hallelujah again I don't want anyone to think I'm saying you have nothing 
I applaud you for what you have. But I'm telling you, there are a lot, and I'm not throwing stones, but there's a whole lot of dead, dull religion in the world today, even under the name of Christianity. And you want to know why? Because all they've asked their people to do was just believe. All they've asked them to do was just to accept Christ. And they've never taught them about the power. In fact, what did Paul say was going to be one of the signs of the last days? He said that they would have a form of godliness, but deny what? Deny what? Deny what? They're denying the power. The power to truly become godly. The power to truly become what God wants us to be. I can't do it by my own strength. I can't do it through my own wisdom. I I can't make changes. You can't give me a list of laws. I don't want to go to legalism. I'm not interested. He meant all of that. But I tell you what, when the power comes inside of me, all of a sudden God changes my desires. God changes the things that I want, the things that I love, the things that I hate. Everything is transformed by the power of the spirit that's living in me. I'm not saying you have nothing, but I'm saying if you've never received the spirit, you need more. Hallelujah. Don't stop with just believing. I've got one more passage of scripture. John chapter 7, verses 38 and 39. Listen to what Jesus said. He that believeth on he me. He that believes on me. As the scripture hath said. If you believe the way the scripture tells you to believe. Out of his belly. Out of his belly. Shall flow rivers. He's going to flow rivers of living, of living water. water. Now but what's he talking about? Verse 39. But this spake this he, spake he of, of the spirit. The Of the what? Of the spirit which they that believe on him should. should. They should receive it. They should receive it. He didn't say do receive, but he said they should receive. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you today, you should receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You should receive the power that God wants to give you. You should go beyond just the experience of knowing Christ to be a personal Savior. You need power to be transformed into the image of the Father. You need power to do the work God wants us to do in this day and age. Let's stand together right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The power of the Holy Ghost is available if you don't have it today. It's available. If you've never repented of your sins, you've got to start there. You've never asked God to forgive you. You've got to start there. But the power of the Holy Ghost is here. Even if you have believed... But if you've never received that experience, just because you're a believer doesn't mean you're a receiver. But it's available for you today. It's here for you today. And God wants to fill you with it. These altars are open. Would you come? Would you come today? Amen. Would you come today? If you need to repent, this is the place to repent. If you need the Holy Ghost, God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Thank God for the power. 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 Oh, that's it. Let's talk to the Lord. 
I want to encourage everybody. Let's everybody find a place to pray today, can we? Can we just take a few moments to close this service out by talking to the Lord?